Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, as we come before you, we ask in very simple terms. We ask that you cause your word to do exactly what you planned for it to do. Father Almighty God, let it transform, let it heal, let it encourage, let it strengthen, let it motivate and exhort us, O Lord. As only you can do, we ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in his fullness. We ask him to guide every word we say. We thank you for today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, um, good evening. So uh, just before we continue, we'd like to really thank um, Deacon or Pastor Bumi um, Olubolitu. Thank you for all that he has done and everything that um, he has done, taking time out of his busy schedule to be with us last week. We're so grateful. Thank you very much. So we appreciate it. We honestly appreciate all that you are. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do, a very, very tiny recap. We're looking at uh, repairing your boat. And so today we're going to be looking at the heart. And one of the most interesting things about the ministry of the Holy Spirit is this. When the Holy Spirit started this session, um, it was a couple of weeks, and then Pastor started his session on how to avoid a fatal heart attack, and which has been absolutely amazing. I hope you've all plugged into that. And so this will run happily alongside. It's going to be fun for us to do. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I will draw my text from where I left off because, because we have a lot to go through. I will draw our text, our Bible study text, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to use Mark 4. Mark 4 gives us um, a brief format, and the explanation of Mark 4 helps us understand um, how to repair our boat and we we're looking at our boat just as an as a recap our boat is our heart our soul and our mind that's the real you and so when we're looking at repairing your boat which is what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks we're looking at repairing your boat we're looking at the situation where god actually repairs your heart your soul and mind which in turn repairs you and that's where change comes in. And so we're looking at that tonight. Tonight, we're going to focus on the heart. And it's going to be fun. I'm going to turn to Mark 4. Um, I'm going to read quite quickly. Um, Jesus is teaching by the seaside. And I will, I will read from verse 1, just to give you a full picture. And then we'll go from there. And I'm reading. And then the Bible says from verse 1, and he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. This is Mark 4. I'm at verse 1. Verse 2. And he taught many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. 
and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. Verse 9, he that has ears, let him hear. And the Bible says he stops speaking. And the Bible then says, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him of the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. Verse 13, and he said unto them, know ye not this parable, how then will you know all parables? So we realize this parable is critical and it's not, uh, it's teaching material, but it's not necessary. It, it forms a framework for us tonight. And then he begins to break it down. Verse 14, the sower soweth the word. Um, and I'll say this very briefly, whenever God wants to cause something to happen in your life, he invariably starts by sending his word. It is invariable. When God wants to make a change in your life, he will introduce his word into your life and the place he introduces it to is your heart. So that's key. Uh, verse 15, and these are they by the wayside. So this is the first heart um, state, status that we've got. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 fold and some a hundred. And then Jesus goes on to speak about other things. This evening, ladies and gentlemen, if we follow Jesus's breakdown, we, we understand that the sower sows the word. So we got, we're not going to focus on that. We're focusing on repairing the heart. And Jesus lists four heart states. Um, when you listen to pastor's message, which was, like I said, which was absolutely amazing, he lists seven types of heart, um, all of which are, challenging and you'll find a lot of um, similarities here jesus lists four um and in this particular parable and so we'll go with his four for today and this is what the bible says and the first one he says there is those that are sown by the wayside and when we say sown by the wayside and we explained this um not last week the upper week sown by the wayside is those that have gone through circumstances or situations that have caused their heart not to believe God. So they are literally pressed down. So as a path that is created at that time in Israel, it was not created by 
um, many paths were created simply because people walked that way. And so the, the earth underneath their feet, whether it be raining or sunny, would eventually be packed down. So it would not be necessarily great for sowing and it will run amongst the fields. And so any seeds that will fall on it would not get into it because it was hard. And there are different states. And what we said was there are some people's hearts that are hard. They're very hard hearts in that for them to believe is a challenge. And we looked at that last week. We did say it's solvable. Um, and how is a hard a heart hardened? Repetitive circumstances. And so a person, and it does not necessarily have to be in all their lives, but in, in this particular case or in this particular area, we realize that somebody's heart has been so um, battered or pressed when God sends a word, irrespective of how good it is, they find it very hard to believe by virtue of what they've gone through, by virtue of what other people have said, and so on and so forth. So, ladies and gentlemen, we realized we spoke about that last week, and we did say that God can solve it. Now, we're going to look at the solutions as we go through today. Um, and so, what is the solution for someone with a hardened heart, or they found themselves in a difficult position. Now, let me, if I was to describe how it shows up, if I was to use, if, if, I'll use myself as an example. Just so you know, I mean, it, it's none of us, are, I, I, I think I've used this example before, but I'll use this particular one. By virtue of the way I grew up, that means the way my journey was growing up. One of the key things about my experience was, um, was a lack of confidence and assurance. And that came from repetitive seasons of rejection from people that loved you or people you looked up to. And it seemed to follow me as a person to the point that even when someone gives me a compliment, I recall what has been said and that and all of a sudden i take it with a pinch of salt it sometimes it sounds like humility but it's not it is you're struggling to actually accept or believe what they said about you to the point that i mean it i will come off stage and i'll use myself as an example i'll come off stage i'll have preached a great message and quote unquote you know and, and i get many compliments and i will still struggle to believe what they're saying. What is that? That means there's a section of my heart that struggles for me to believe that I'm good enough. It's a journey. I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm getting over it. I'm not perfect. It's, on a, it's a journey, but I'm getting over it. And so that's how it shows up. In other areas, I'm fine. In other areas, I'm great. But in that particular area, what I begin to realize is when someone gives me a compliment or somebody um, asks me to lead or take responsibility, I will struggle simply because there have been repetitive seasons where people have said the opposite. Is that fair? All right. That is what we're talking about, a hard heart. So it's, it's not that we're talking about hardcore, sinful, and it can be, but not particularly in this particular situation. So what's the solution for a hard heart? Okay, so what's the, what's the solution for 
a heart up. What's the solution that we've got? And the solution is actually quite interesting. The Bible speaks about the word of God as water. Let me give you a few scriptures. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 really helps. Hosea 10 12 and this is what the bible says the bible says so to yourself in righteousness so to yourselves in righteousness and reap in, reap in mercy break up your fallow ground so it's within your ability to break up the parts of your heart that are hard it's within your ability and we'll come to that in a moment and the bible says for it is time to seek the lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, the reason I said that, when you're thinking about a hard heart, if you think about a compacted piece of earth, it is earth. This is not rocks. This is earth. What would soften a hard heart is water. And so when you find yourself in a situation where you're struggling to believe God, please hear me well. The answer is water. Now, let me explain what I mean. The answer, when the Bible speaks about water, the Bible directly associates the word of God spoken as water. Come with me, please. And we're going to take our declaration first, and then I'll take us to the verse. So let's take our declaration. Oh, Lord, we are your people, called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, do not have any doubt. That confession and declaration is making a difference. And we'll see it one day. We will definitely see it one day. And so come with me, ladies and gentlemen. So like I said, the solution to a hard heart is water. Now, this is key. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 25. Ephesians 5, verse 25. The Bible says the following. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we realize is that the Bible says when 
a husband loves his wife as Jesus loves the church, he washes us with the water of the word. So when you have a hard heart, which is, means you've got a blemish or you've got a place in your heart that is struggling to believe God, there is a necessity that go back to the word and let the word of the Lord wash your heart. Now, let me explain what I mean by wash. The word of the Lord primarily will reveal to you who God is, what God has done, what God is willing to do, and what he has already made available for you. And so when you go into that, that's where healing comes. So for mine, my challenge with rejection, which went on for years, one day, tough day, I found myself sitting in front of the Bible, and this section of the Bible came alive. And the Bible is Ephesians verse chapter one, verse four. I was honestly, I was going through a difficult time and I sat with the Bible and the Bible and the Bible, it literally came alive. Ephesians one, verse four. And the Bible says the following, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The Bible says that I was chosen. That means irrespective of what has happened since I was born, there was a choice made concerning me that trumps anything anybody on the earth does. That was when my healing began. And as I began to read the Bible, I began to realize, oh, so that's true. That's true. Oh, God, so what you said about me is true. What you've done in Jesus Christ in my life is true. That was how my freedom came. And so, ladies and gentlemen, in any area where you find it difficult to believe the Lord, go back to the word of God and let the Holy Spirit open the word. And it's the power of revelation. This is what it means where the Bible says it's like water. The Lord will wash you. That means he will wipe away whatever is causing you not to believe him. And what will he do? He will reveal himself to you. He will demonstrate that I am who I say I am. He will do it. He will cause his word to come alive. He will make miracles happen. And he will convince you that you know what? I made you and I love you. And I have already done for you a lot more than you can imagine. And that's how you heal a hard area. So what do I suggest, ladies and gentlemen? If you find yourself, if you find yourself struggling with a hard heart, ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. Ask the Lord that, Lord, open your word to me. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. John chapter 14, verse 26, in the Amplified Bible, the Bible says he is our counselor. He's our standby. He's our strengthener. He's the one. He's the one that teaches. He reveals God to us. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. I want you to realize a hard heart is not permanent. 
take it before the Lord and let the Lord pour water on your heart and things will change. So let me give you two scriptures that really drive this home and then we'll move on. First one is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Isaiah 55, and I'll read from 10. I'll start at 10. I probably will go to 11. Isaiah 55, and I'll go to verse 10. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11 says the following. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So, ladies and gentlemen, what do I suggest? When you're finding yourself in any area where you find it difficult to believe, find five, six, seven, eight scriptures that speak about what you want to happen. And this is what I advise. Read them. If you can memorize them, go ahead, but read them. Read them every day. Read them in the afternoon. Read them when you're going through a tough time. Study them. Find out what the Bible says around those subjects. But then meditate on them. That means begin to think about them and see yourself on the other side of your problem as the word promises. Then this is what I encourage. Start declaring that over yourself. It may not feel like it's working when you start, but by the time you've done it for a while, the Bible says, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you begin to say it and say it and say it, the process of faith kicks in and belief will be the result. The last thing is act on it. That means begin to act according to what the Bible now says about you. That process snaps the control of a hard heart. Hopefully that helps somebody. So let's go on to the next one. Um, and so that's hopefully, yes, that helps. Hopefully that helps. The next one that Jesus listed was a stony heart. Now he said the first one is hard. That means circumstances have created a challenge. But now he comes to a stony heart. Stones do not naturally occur. So stones have found their way into something. Rocks have been broken up. So all of a sudden you've got stones. Now, someone with a stony heart, let me see if I can help you. Jesus said the following. Jesus said, someone with a stony heart is, and let me go to Mark 4 so I get this right. This is Jesus's explanation. He says, and these are they 
likewise, which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, I'm reading from Mark 4, verse 16. When they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. So these people actually believe to start, but then a challenge comes. And have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So Jesus links stony heart with a person being offended so let's break that down in simple terms and, and I'll, I'll take a little bit of time hopefully this really helps somebody when the bible speaks about an offense the word offended in greek is scandalized where we get scandal it's also descriptive of a type of trap it is when you put your foot like an animal will put their foot into the trap, a rope that has been tied to a very flexible branch catches their leg and then suspends the animal, doesn't kill the animal, but suspends the animal between the ground and the sky so that the hunter can come and basically catch the animal. That's what an offense is. Now, Many times we'll say, well, I'm not offended. There's no way I'm offended. But let's have understand what an offense is. Turn with me in your Bible, please. Let me read Romans 9.33. The Bible says, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be, of, be ashamed. Speaking about Jesus Christ. Now, remember, some people saw Jesus Christ and said, this is the Messiah. This is what we've been waiting for. We believe who you are. Others, when they ran into Jesus Christ and his ministry, they felt you are not who you say you are. And we are very upset that you are saying the things that you say, irrespective of the fact that you can do some amazing miracles. So that means notice, an offense comes when we see God in a way that he is not, based upon something going on on our inside. That's what happens when we're offended. The assumption is, and to make it simpler is, you are offended when you feel, God, this is not fair. Or you feel God is not fair or true to who he says he is. And I'll show you that in a, in a very a, a wonderful story. Turn with me, please, in the Bible to Matthew chapter 13. Sorry, I apologize. It's Matthew 20, verse 15. I apologize. Matthew 20, verse 15. So that's where we're going. This story is a story of a landowner who hires people at every watch. Nine o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, and one hour before six o'clock before evening comes. And he pays them exactly the same. When he pays them, some of those that had worked from nine get really upset because it's like, wait, 
these guys have only, they've come at five o'clock in the afternoon. How come they're getting the same as us? And the Bible lists the following. Matthew 20, and I'll read from 14. I'll read from 10 for clarity. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. So the, the householder gave them all the same thing. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? That I mean, the agreement was fair. I said, work for me for a day, I'll give you a penny. And they came for an hour. I said, work for me for however long it is, and I'll give them a penny. I'm, I'm fine with it. Then the Bible says, the verse 14, he says, take that is thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Verse 15, and this is where the offense shows up. And the Bible says this, it says, is it not lawful for me to do with what I will, to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So let me explain. The people that came earlier felt that the good man of the house representing the Lord Almighty was unfair. And notice how an offense comes. Offenses only show up when we compare. And this is very interesting. So they felt, well, we've been here for nine hours and you are giving us a penny, which was a great wage because otherwise they wouldn't have agreed with it. But why are you giving them an hour? So they're comparing. And what do they feel? God, it's not fair. And this is how people get offended. And that's why when the Bible says, when persecution or tribulation come, that means pressure or pressure or trouble because of the word that you've got, the promise that you're holding on to. When pressure or trouble comes and you begin to compare yourself with someone else, especially somebody you think doesn't deserve it as much as you, the Bible says you become offended. An offense, ladies and gentlemen, is when you feel that God, you're not fair. And I'll give you an example. And, and this is the example that comes to my heart. When somebody who is serving the Lord, doing absolutely nothing wrong, and let's say they get married and they're believing God for a child, and they're fine with the journey until somebody around them who is not necessarily serving God gets married and starts having children, quote unquote, with ease. And it's like, God, but you're not fair. I've been believing you for a child. How come I haven't got a child? And all of a sudden, that is how an offense comes. So when a promise comes, so let's say somebody says, 
this time next year or somebody says this is your year of fruitfulness or somebody speaks a word over your life and says this is the year for God to favor you you receive it amen great but then the comparison kicks in and it says yeah but God this person is having it easier than I am and all of a sudden the word that you're holding on to the Bible says stops that's the power of an offense. What is an offense? An offense is where we begin to look at God and think, you're not fair. Jesus says that will stop your promise in its tracks. And that's why he said during the heat of the day. And so this, please keep this in mind. God is when God relates to you and I, let me use a scripture to clarify this, and then I will tell you how the Lord heals a heart that is offended. Come with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, and we're going to read 1 to 2. And I'm going to pull it up in the Amplified Bible, and I'll read it in the king james bible i read in the king james first the bible says wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset and let us run with patience the race that is set before us two looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand, at the right hand of the throne of God. Pause for a moment. The Bible says there is a race that is set before you that nobody else is running. You are only running against one thing, time. So when, and this is why the Bible says, the last thing you need to do is compare because the only person that really matters is the God you serve who is faithful. And his faithfulness is not in question because of your circumstances, because God has not faced a set of circumstances where he cannot bring his word to pass. So what I want you to begin to realize is this, when you are facing a race, you are only running against you. Now that, let's put this in context. Imagine a athletics team. Everybody gets on the flight. They all will arrive at the training facility. They may warm up together. They'll do the same stretches. They will do the same jumping jacks. They will do the same basic exercises. They will do all the same until an announcement comes. Marathon runners to the right, sprinters to the left. What happens? By virtue of the race you are running, your training or your journey changes. That means if a sprinter 
looks at a marathon runner and says, well, your training is easy. How come you're not doing, you're not lifting weights like we are? How come you're not loading in carbs? How come you are not doing 14, 15, 16, 17 races a day? Why? Because he's running a 26 mile race and you are running a 10 to 15 second 100 meter race. Meaning, this is the, the this is why an offense happens when we compare. Because when God relates to you and I, he does so on an individual level. That means, and so there are a couple of scriptures you can hold on to in that area, a couple of scriptures you can hold on to, but this is the key of an offense. Let me just use one, and it's one of my favorites. Proverbs 23, verses 17 to 18. Proverbs 23, 17 to 18. And this is how, and so hopefully this really helps somebody. And then I'll go on to the solution, 17 to 18. And then I'll go on to the solution. So Proverbs 23, verse 20, I'll read it because I can quote it, but I'll read it. 17. The Bible says the following. Let not your heart or let not thine heart envy sinners. That means don't envy the person that is not walking with God and is making money happen. It looks like they're more comfortable. Things are happening. Things are easy. God says that's none of your business. He says, let not your heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear. That means reverent, admirable focus on God. Reverence the Lord all the day long, meaning your focus is not the person beside you. Your focus is the God you serve who should be in front of you. Okay, keep that in mind. Then the Bible says, verse 18, the Bible says, for surely there is an end. And the Bible then says the following, and your expectation shall not be cut off. Meaning the person in front of you, the person who's your shepherd and the person who gave you the promise can be trusted. And that means irrespective of your circumstances, you don't get offended. And this is what what I want you to hold on to. And so if you are offended, and this is key, and I hope this will hopefully free somebody, because remember, your journey is your journey with God. God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere at the same time, and he's still fully God. That means he, when he's walking with you, he's not thinking about the lady next door you have his total attention. That's because he's God. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, that's what happens when we're offended. When we compare or we assess God based upon anything except what he has said about himself, what he does repetitively or what he has promised you. The Bible says we are easily offended doesn't mean your promise is stolen it just means you are suspended between heaven and earth and your promise may not come to pass so what's the solution turn with me in your bible um please to jeremiah chapter 23 
verse 29. And so what, how do we heal an offended heart? Jeremiah 23, reading from verse 29. I'll read. It's a two-part scripture. 29. And the Bible says the following. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? So the answer is the word of God again. So when you're healing a hard heart, it's the word, but this is the word as water. When you are healing an offended heart, this is the same thing, the word, but this time the word has a different characteristic. The Bible says, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer, that breaketh the rock in pieces. Now, pause for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, and this is what I want you to understand. There comes a point where God needs to break through on your behalf, where he has to break a belief system to help you come to terms with the fact that I am God and I can be trusted. This is something I want you to realize. And the Bible says God will send in his word like a hammer and it will break whatever has held you up. Now, when I want you to understand this is key. Please hold on to this. The key element that we look at when God's word is operating like a hammer, it means it comes to pass with an anointing. An anointing means God comes with force and it literally hits like a brick and all of a sudden the light goes on. Wait a minute. This is what I'm going through. This is who I am and it changes your life. And so I'll give you an example of what I mean. So please understand what an anointing does. But before we go on to that, let's look at one other scripture about the word of God that comes with force. Psalms 29. I'll start at verse 4. The Bible says the following The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord, this is verse 5, breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. That means when God wants to solve an offense, he will forcefully introduce himself into your circumstances in such a way that all of a sudden you cannot deny that this is God talking. He will open his word and this is how will he do it? The Holy Spirit will hit you with what we call revelation. And revelation in simple terms is where God turns the light on. And this is what I want you to understand. So where all of, even if you're offended and you find, oh, well, God, I think you're unfair or things are going around. I can't see a way out. The Lord will turn on a light and you will realize, oh, wait a minute, God can be trusted. And the answer, this is, please keep this in mind. Genesis 1, reading from verses 1 to 3 is key. Genesis 1 and I'm going to read from one to three. And this is how God, because what is an offense is darkness. And so this is key. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. Hear me well. When God wants to break or free somebody who has an offended heart, he sends in revelation. Um, revelation is really key. It's where, so revelation is really key because God literally reveals himself. Let me show you that in um, biblical terms. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Um, let's look at the book of Job. And I'm going to use a phrase that Job says. Job 42, verse 5. Job thought he was righteous. And Job felt that he had a right to complain to God that, God, I'm not being treated fairly. I'm not. And he complains for 30 or so chapters. And then God answers and introduces himself. Great reading. Read it whenever you get the chance. By the time God is done, he says to Job, fine, now answer. This is what Job says. Job 42, verse 4, God says, okay, I'm done talking. He says, here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Meaning, he's saying, I've done mine. I've introduced myself. I've told you who I am. I've told you what I can do. I've listed who I am. He said, now answer. Listen to what Job says. Job now says the following. Verse five. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Revelation. The Lord revealed himself. And this is what he says. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The answer to darkness is always light. And it doesn't matter how thick the darkness is. All you have to do is turn on the light. The Bible says that the word of God holds the light. When, And this is what I want you to hold on to. There, there are many scriptures you can hold on to. Um. Uh, scripture has come to my heart. Psalm 119, verse 105. And then I'm going to go on. Psalm 119, verse 105. The Bible said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever you are looking for light, in any situation, go to the word of God. And what happens? God will reveal himself to you and the darkness will leave by itself. So if you're fighting with an offense, don't try and work yourself out of it. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Notice what Hebrews 12.2 says looking unto Jesus, the author 
and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father. Go to God and ask him to reveal himself. Himself. Revelation will cause repentance to show up. Because what is revelation? Revelation is simply accurate information. So if I'm going the wrong way, let's say I'm going, um, assuming you are in London or something, and I'm going from Brent Cross and I want to go to Elephant and Castle, and I'm walking towards Hackney. If somebody says, oh, this is not the road to Elephant and Castle, you need to go this way. What do you do? Thank you very much. You turn around and you go the other way. Repentance comes when accurate, clear information is presented. When light comes and you see things as they really are, turning around is easy because you then realize that, wait, God actually is faithful. And so if you know you're walking in an offense and you know you have to, you know you have to repent pause go to god about it go to the bible and ask him that lord in a similar situation show me what to do ask the holy spirit to teach you that you know what i hold my hand up god i'm offended i'm angry with you i don't feel life is fair lord but i'm willing to learn and i can almost guarantee the Holy Spirit will get through to you because he's the one leading you to repentance. God, the love of God does what? It leads you to repentance. So God's kindness and goodness, if he's not going to curse you, he's not going to destroy your life. He's going to draw you to the point that you realize, wait, God, you're actually fair and you're kind and you're good, and you can be trusted, based upon which I will turn around and do the opposite of what I'm doing now. That's what we call repentance. So when God reveals himself to you, repentance becomes easy. And it is revelation. Let God reveal himself to you. Where will you find him doing that in the word of god and what you also realize is the holy spirit will reveal god to you in the word that's what he does he's the teacher okay hopefully that answers your question um and so if you're offended ladies and gentlemen ask the lord for help and he will help you um we've got seven minutes left the next, <laughs> oh, my father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The next heart is the thorny one. Um, I'm going to push this to next week so that I can be clear what, how to 
deal with a thorny heart. So if you find yourself in a thorny heart, we'll talk about that. We'll start there next week. Um, if there are any other questions. And so I wanted to just quickly answer a few questions that I had last week, and then I'll close it out. And then we'll pray. And so one of the questions we have is, um, this, was, this was one question. The question was, if God gives you a word and you've been struggling with doubt, trying to praise him through your situation, can you end up being too late in just surrendering your heart and mind to him, leaving the situation in his hands? So pause for a moment. If the Lord has given you a word, let's go through that sentence. Let's understand the person that has given it to you. What does God say about himself? He says, if I give you a promise that there's nothing too hard for me. So it's not, that's the first thing. And so if God's given you a word and he's asked you to obey him and you're sure, key element is you're sure. So what do I suggest? First thing is go back to God and say, God, have I got this right? Second, the Bible says, in the midst of counsel, there is safety. Talk to somebody who you trust and who knows the Lord about it. When all of those agree, whereby you realize th that this is God and your circle of counsel says, yes, that's the Lord. The only thing you can do is act on it and so last week i'll use myself as an example last week um we had a lot of driving to do we had to go for a range of graduations and a whole a range of ceremonies and it was a lot of miles and we were doing them back to back to back i ended up we ended up driving every single day and i prayed i said lord i need to service my car it's hasn't been serviced for a bit and I don't have time to do it I literally don't have time I really wanted to get it done before we started traveling but I couldn't for a variety of reasons and so we pray that Lord as we begin this week let the car take us there and back without a hitch and we prayed that prayer the interesting thing was this the only way I could work out whether the prayer was answered was to drive. The car did over a thousand miles, no problems, did not cough, no challenges, no troubles. So what am I telling you? When you ask God for something, there comes a point where it's like the only thing you can do next is obey him. And the rest, as they say, will be history. Now, if you've got it wrong, he'll get to you. If it is time bound, this is why make sure if you're not sure, because if you're doubting God, that's fine, but don't stay there. Either go back to God himself and let him reveal to you what he wants you to do. Go to somebody who can give you counsel, pray for guidance and lean on the Holy Spirit. And this is key. 
if it is time bound, that means especially if it is a time bound situation, go and pray with someone else. Get someone else to pray with you. Not necessarily your friend, maybe somebody a little bit more experienced. And the simple reason is this. Pressure sometimes can make you hear things that have nothing to do with God. And so find somebody who is, you know for a fact that you trust their word and their judgment, that they will be able to tell you yea or nay, honestly, irrespective of whether you want to hear it or not. And then once you're clear that this is God, the only way you're going to, the only thing you could do next is obey him. The only thing I could do next was drive. And I drove over a thousand miles. And God kept his word. So will he keep his word to you. Um, I hope that helps. So that was very, that was key. Um, that was one question we got. Another question we got was, um, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's quite true. How do you bring your heart back to life after hope has been deferred or you've been disappointed a few times? Again, ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. When hope is deferred, the root of hope is the Lord God. Even if it has been deferred, that doesn't say it has been denied. So what do you do to bring hope back? Focus on the sections of the Bible where God has come through irrespective of the time limit and realize when God says nothing is too hard for me, he means it. And read them, read the stories, listen to the, put the Bible on tape, read and see what God has done for others. As you do so, he will reveal himself to you and the result will be confidence for you to try again. And let me say it this way. Your circumstances do not determine the faithfulness of the God you serve. The word that God speaks to you determines the faithfulness of the God you serve. Ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time. Those were fantastic questions. Please keep your questions coming in. I pray a very simple prayer. If you found yourself in any one of those situations that we've dealt with where your heart is hardened or you found yourself in an offense, may the Lord do exactly what he promised. May the word of God be to you water, be to you a hammer, and may this be the week that you walk free. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week and God will be kind. May God bless you. And we join our faith with anybody who is believing God for a miracle, in particular, a miracle of health. We pause and we say that may God heal and strengthen you and your loved ones. Have a wonderful time this week. And ladies and gentlemen, don't miss Sunday. It's going to be really special. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening, ladies and gentlemen.